welcome to a new episode in our brand new series Proof by Team Chipinaway. In this episode, we look at the life and times of Major General S.L. Bhatia, the person after whom this museum is named after. Who was he? What did he do? And why is this space named after him? To know more about him, we have with us Dr. Sunil Pandya, who's a retired neurosurgeon based in Bombay and someone who's interested in the history of medicine. Good morning, Dr. Pandya. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you. So, Dr. Pandya, give us a little bit about yourself. I trained in neurosurgery in Bombay and I worked at the King Edward Memorial Hospital and the Gurdwindas Sundarbhas Medical College in Padel up to 1998 in the Department of Neurosurgery. It was a full-time job, so academically very rewarding. And after my retirement, I moved over to a small private hospital called the Jaslok Hospital, which is also in Bombay. And I stopped practice and have led a retired life since 2020. And so what has been your connect to Dr. S.L. Bhatia? How did you come across him? What got you interested in him? Dr. Bhatia was a very reputed figure in my alma mater, which is the Grand Medical College and Sir Jamsetji Jijibai Hospital in Baikala, Bombay. He was professor of physiology, then he was principal, then he was the dean. And as a medical student, we learned many interesting anecdotes about him. And everyone who talked about him was full of admiration for him. Of course, by the time we joined in 1957, he had long left the Grand Medical College and the JJ Hospital. He had then moved to Delhi and carried on with his further work there and later in Bangalore. But because of this aura which was around him, it became important for us to learn a little bit about his life and work. And so that led to some study about him, about his work, about his lectures, about his papers, about his publications. And so that's why I know a little bit about him. So could you tell us a little bit more about his life? Who was he? Maybe his early life? How did he become interested in the practice of medicine and a doctor? He was born in Amritsar in 1891 and his father was also a doctor and a very eminent doctor in Lahore. So Dr. Bhatia's early education was in Lahore. He then went to England where he studied in a place called Peterhouse which is in the University of Cambridge and there he came under the influence of a very eminent physiologist called Dr. A. B. Hill. And that influence was to pervade his entire life and career as a medical profession. And I think he chose the branch of physiology as his permanent interest in medicine, perhaps because of the influence of Dr. A.B. Hill. And then as an undergraduate in Britain, he served as a surgical dresser in the hospital ship Guilford Castle during World War One. He obtained his medical degree in 1917 in England. In 1918, he had joined the Maratha Light Infantry, which was then branch of the British Indian Army. And he served in Palestine and Syria. And there, Britain was at war with the Ottoman Empire. And during this war, because of his heroism, he was awarded the Military Cross. This is the citation. For extraordinary heroism under fire during Allenby's siege of Aleppo. Now, the Military Cross was one of the most valued awards in battle. And how did Dr. S.L. Bhatia's association with Grant Medical College come about? 
General Bhatia qualified for and joined the Indian Medical Service. And the Indian Medical Service regulated medical education in the whole of India. Just before he was posted to the Grand Medical College, he married a lady called Raj Kishori, who was the daughter of a very well-known individual in Masuri. And Dr. Bhatia and uh, Mrs. Raj Kishori Bhatia came to the Grand Medical College in 1920. From 1920 to 1926, Dr. Bhatia held the rank of captain in the military. He was appointed professor of physiology and hygiene in the Grand Medical College. And uh, there is a report in a publication of the Royal College of Physicians of London which says that the Grand Medical College was at that time reckoned to be the best medical college east of Suez. Then from 26 to 37, Dr. Bhatia was the dean of the Grand Medical College. He remained the uh, professor of physiology and hygiene. And he was the first Indian to be appointed as dean of these institutions. Up to that time, the custom was that only officers of British origin would be appointed dean. And he was the first Indian to be appointed as dean. He worked in the Grand Medical College as a professor of physiology for 17 years. In 1941, during the Second World War, Dr. Bhatia was transferred to Delhi as the Deputy Director General of the Indian Medical Service. So his connection with the Grand Medical College was for a period of 21 years, 1920 to 1941. Could you tell us more about his contributions to the field of medical science? I think he was very, very competent and very progressive professor of physiology. He published several papers on various uh, physiological topics. He developed the physiology laboratories of the Grand Medical College. And there was a professor from Cambridge, Sir Walter Fletcher, who visited these laboratories in 1928 as a representative of the Medical Research Council of Great Britain. And he described Bhatia as the latest edition of Foster in India. Michael Foster was a very, very eminent British physiologist, almost reckoned as one of the finest physiologists that Britain has ever seen. So this was high praise that Dr. Bhatia was the edition of Dr. Foster in India. And I think that was a great tribute paid to him. There is one expert comment which says that he made physiology intellectually respectable in India. Up to that time, physiology was a kind of uh, subject which very few medical students ever bothered to get interested in. And the kind of teachers who came to physiology as professors, lecturers, etc. were not of the highest caliber. But after Dr. Bhatia, there was increasing interest in the subject and intellectually bright individuals started coming into this field of physiology. Dr. Bhatia was quite prolific in his talks, papers, essays and books. And if you go to St. John's Medical College in the museum, which is named after Dr. Bhatia, the Major General S.L. Bhatia Museum of the History of Medicine, you will find all his papers and publications, not only the published form, but the draft form, which is the type scripts which were there and many of these type scripts contain corrections in his hand and all these drafts are available so you can actually see how hard he worked on each of his publications and before putting pen on paper he did a lot of research apart from his own work which he was describing and the references which he included in his papers were quite prolific. Now, he didn't restrict his publication merely to physiology. 
there is a paper which he published in 1955 called the history of medical education in India. Because by that time he himself was a very eminent educationist. He had been dean of the Grand Medical College, so he was a very respected educationist. There were other papers which he also published on medical education. He published papers on students and teachers, and of course he published on the history of medicine, which we will come to a little bit later. I must tell you that when he was leaving the Grand Medical College, he and his wife were so beloved of the students. They literally worshipped this couple. He was leaving from the Grand Medical College, which is in Pakistan. The main mode of transport at that time was the railway, and he had to take the frontier mail to go to Delhi. So he was to go using his car from Pakistan to Bombay Central Station, which is about three kilometers or so. The entire road which he was to travel was lined by students of the Grand Medical College. When he reached the train, he was surrounded by students, residents, a whole lot of people. He talked to them. Then it was time for the train to move, and uh, the locomotive driver was about to blow the whistle. But he couldn't blow the whistle because in front of the train, all the students were sitting on the track. They wouldn't allow the train to move. So eventually, Doctor Bhatia had to come out of his carriage, move to the front of the train, and request the students to leave. I mean that was the affection that they had for him. Thank you for sharing that episode. It is very evocative, and the pen picture that you have presented showcases Dr. Asil Bhatia's association with his students and the following that he had. Could you tell us more on Dr. Asil Bhatia's association with his colleagues, subordinates, and other doctors in the field? During the Second World War, forty-one to forty-five, he was the Deputy Director General of the Indian Medical Service, and that is when he was awarded the Companion of the Indian Empire by the King. Now, he was Deputy Director General. The Director General was a person called General Hans, and Doctor Hans had to write his confidential report. And we are very fortunate in that we have that report. Now, one of the questions that was asked of General Hans in his assessment was. What are the salient points of his character which affect his efficiency in an administrative capacity? And this is what General Hans wrote: breadth of outlook, sound, deliberate judgment, professionally and eminent status as physician and physiologist, wide experience of administrative, academic, and medical institutions. And the last point which he wrote was. Combines intellectual qualities of exceptional nature with sound and objective critical sense and a genial and courteous personality. You couldn't have asked for a better testimonial from him. The last question that General Hans was to answer was: Do you consider him fitted in every respect for appointment as an administrative officer? And what do you think, General Hans wrote? Emphatically so. So that was the estimate of his boss at that time. General Hans was the you know the biggest name in Indian medical service, and this was his assessment of General Bhatia. Doctor Bhatia, incidentally, was a founder member of the Medical Council of India. Then, 1945 to 1947, he was promoted to the rank of Colonel, and now he was appointed Inspector General of Civil Hospitals and Prisons in Assam. So he was moved out of the Indian Medical Service headquarters and put in charge of the hospitals and prisons in Assam. Then, 47 to 50, he was Surgeon General of the Government in Madras. 
Surgeon General of the government of Madras is the individual who is in complete control of all medical matters within the presidency of Madras. Then 1950-1953, he had been promoted to Major General. And now he was Inspector General of Medical and Health Services for the whole of India. And then he was appointed Secretary of the Medical Department of the Government of Hyderabad. So he then moved to Hyderabad. In 1948, his wife died. And in 1953, he married again, and he married a lady whose name was Sharyu Pandit, and she of course now became Sharyu Bhatia. She and her brother, Dr. Y. K. C. Pandit, who later became a very reputed ophthalmic surgeon in Bombay, joined the Grand Medical College together. She graduated in 1931. Now, after having graduated, she went on to nationally important tasks in Delhi and she was selected on several committees and she worked on many many projects which had to do with women's health, public health and she distinguished herself in every one of these fields. And in 1953, Dr. Bhatia and she got married. And then after retirement, of course, they settled in Bangalore. He had a bungalow where he and his wife lived, which was in the cantonment area of Bangalore. And because of his interest in the history of medicine, he was appointed emeritus professor of the history of medicine at St. John Medical College. And that is how his connection with St. John started. And in 1981, he died in Bangalore. He died at the age of 90. And when he died, his will stated that all my books and papers must be donated to the St. John Medical College. And that is how St. John is the repository of everything concerning Dr. Bhatia. Dr. Asal Bhatia also wrote Beyond Medical Sciences. And could you tell us more about how that came about and what was his ideology looking at humanities and sciences beyond pure medical science? I told you he already wrote papers on medical education. He also wrote some books and one of the books is called Science and the Humanities. This book was published years and years and years ago when nobody ever talked of the humanities in science and in medicine. But General Bhatia at that time foresaw that you cannot have science, you cannot have medicine unless humanities are incorporated. And he wrote an entire book. And the foreword to this book was written by his old teacher, Eli Hill. He also wrote another book called Medical Science in Ancient India. And he analyzed several historical landmarks in Ayurveda, the legends pertaining to the origins of medicine, Dhanvantri, and then of course the great teachers of the past, Charaks to Shrubhadpat and so on. So there are several chapters in this book which discuss the medical science in ancient India. This book was published by the Bangalore University. Then naturally he was an army officer, he had served in World War One. So one of his other books was called Warfare and the Art of Healing and how doctors can serve in times of war as doctors. There is a lot of work that they can do, even if they are conscientious objectors, they can still serve the country very well in that. He also wrote on a history of certain aspects of neurology because as a physiologist he was concerned with the nervous system and then he had kept his eyes open on clinical neurology also. And in the St. John Medical College, you will find letters from the world's great medical historians. 
For instance, there is a letter from Dr. F. N. L. Pointer. He was the director of the Wellcome Trust and he was an eminent medical historian in his own right. Of course, there are letters from Indian medical historians also. There was a very eminent uh, medical historian in Hyderabad, Dr. D. V. Subaredi. And you will find letters from Dr. Subaredi to Dr. Bhatia. Then in Madurai, there was a lady called Dr. Parvati Devi. She also was a professor of physiology as it happens in Madurai. And she started a department of the history of medicine in Madurai. And she was the editor of a journal on the history of medicine. And she wrote to Dr. Bhatia and she solicited papers from Dr. Bhatia for her journal, which of course he very readily obliged. And so several papers of his are in that particular journal also. He also contributed to the journal with Dr. Subaredi himself, etc. When he was retiring from the Grand Medical College, one of the editors of the Grand Medical College magazine, the Grand Medical College used to have an annual magazine, the student asked him, what advice would you like to give? And this is what he wrote. To the students of Grand Medical College, amongst whom I lived and worked for 21 years, and for whom I have everlasting love and affection, I address these few words. On you, the future of medicine in India depends. Medicine is both an art and a science. But above all, there is no other form of social service which can equal medicine. Uphold to the best of your ability the noble traditions and the good name of your alma mater and of your profession and seek your highest reward in the duty well performed. In the course of my travels, I have constantly been struck by the fact that medicine is international. It knows no distinction of race, creed or color. It is the only worldwide profession which follows everywhere the same methods actuated by the same ideals and pursuing the same ends. There is a unity in aims. The physician has a great part to play in bringing about concord and peace to this distracted world of ours. I think what he wrote so many decades ago is even more relevant today because our world is even more distracted and there is so much suffering at the moment. He ended by saying, you are the harbingers of peace and goodwill. I wish you the best of luck, happiness and prosperity. So as you will see, he was a remarkable man, man of many parts, teacher, administrator, soldier, somebody who encouraged youngsters. Very good in literature, in writing. I've only given you a small glimpse of his many, many writings. Historian and above all, somebody who inspired others. So all in all, a remarkable individual, worthy of emulation. That was a lovely word sketch, if I may. He's an extraordinary human. And like you said, somebody who wore many hats, a physician, a physiologist, an educationist, historian, and somebody who contributed so much of his life to create the medical institutions in different parts of the country we know of today. And thank you for giving us a wonderful insight into his life, into his time, into his person, and sharing some of these anecdotes from his own personal life. 
and i think that humanizes an individual beyond just reading their books and papers and the science that they've created and i think as you pointed out all of these letters all of these drafts that are in the museum can give a wonderful insight onto the kind of person he was his work ethic and just all around nature so thank you so much dr pandya it was wonderful thank you sir This podcast series is the result of a foundation project implemented by the India Foundation for the Arts under its Archives and Museums program in collaboration with the SL Bhatia History of Medicine Museum, Library and Archives with part support from the Parijat Foundation.